this is Roxy Diaz. And this is Nina Parker. Now, we are two pop culture veterans who love nothing more than talking about the latest trending topics. Now, we're talking about everything. The relationships, music, celebrities. And maybe the banana pics I get in my DM. <laughs> I don't know. We're talking about everything. All right. Now, you get to join us every week on our new podcast, Little Black Dress with Roxy and Nina. Check out new episodes on PodcastOne.com, the Podcast One app, or subscribe on iTunes. Guys, it's the Little Black Dress because every woman has one. Seinfeld, the pothole is over, but we're just getting started here on Seinfeld, the post-show recap, a podcast about nothing. And now, here are the two guys who have been podcasting from a janitor closet since 2014. I'm Rob Sesternino. Here is Keeve Winokur. Keeve, how are you? I probably do sound like I'm coming from a janitor's closet today. Yeah. Is that where you're coming from? Is that where you're hiding out today? I am uh, I'm lying on a bed with the laptop because my microphone is not working. What happened? Did you spill ammonia in your office? I think maybe someone sabotaged it and threw it in the toilet. <laughs> That's possible. One of your items was thrown in the toilet by your wife, and it may have been your microphone. I mean, I have a three-year-old son. He's a much more likely candidate. <laughs> likes to throw random things in the toilet (laughs) okay all right so we are going to be talking about seinfeld the pothole uh an episode uh almost uh without a plot hole uh very uh you know everything does here come together here but uh again we get into some real hijinks akiva yeah they're very yes this is we've seen in in season eight um, while we have a string of very good episodes they also seem to get less realistic by the week and uh, the show writers are, are clearly more concerned with tying things together in a neat bow at the end. <laughs> okay. So that's what's coming up here on the pothole. Uh, of course, uh, Kristen Davis of Sex and the City fame, one of Akiva's all-time favorite shows. Uh, Akiva and Chester recently got through ranking the 26 greatest Sex and the City characters of all time. Akiva had Charlotte at number two on his list. I can only name four. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, maybe for Samantha, uh, you just said Charlotte, Miranda. Yeah, I don't know. Tony, I don't Tony. know who else. I don't know who else is on there. Carrie, you Mr. missed Big? the main one. You missed the main one. Mr. Big. Oh, Carrie. OK. And Mr. Big. Those are the five guys. That's all I know. Yeah. OK. All right. So uh, we are going to talk about all that. Uh, Wheels, how's it rolling? Things are going well. Um, uh, by the way. Yes. Um, Kristen Davis, speaking of Second City. She looks very good in this episode. Yes, very attractive. Good job there by Kristen um, Davis in 1997. Yeah, so I was speaking in 1997. So this episode we're talking about today is February 20th, 1997. And next week, um, the English patient is March 13th, 1997. March 13th, 1997. That's this coming Monday, probably yes. a day or two after you're listening to this. Mm-hmm. So we've always been talking about catching up, and it looks like we finally caught up. I mean, you know, we could if we record on Monday, Rob. It is literally the twentieth anniversary of the English Patient. Okay, is that something you want to do? I mean, I'm available. No, I don't care. We could record any day next week. But <laughs> we could say it was Monday. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We'll just tell everyone it's Monday. We'll record on Tuesday. That's fine. That's fine. Uh, so uh, we'll figure that out go, uh, going forward. So uh, there we go. Things are getting synced up. A 20-year anniversary in the making. But Kiva, why don't we get into talking about uh, The Pothole, as you mentioned, from February 20th, 1997, written by O'Donnell and O'Keefe. Uh, is this a new tandem that we're seeing here? I believe it is. I believe this is one of the season eight, season nine tandems. Okay. O'Donnell and O'Keefe. Yes, it's it, you know they may as well have written about the Irish Day Parade. I don't know. <laughs> I believe they just call it the St. Patrick's Day Parade. Oh yeah, that's true. <laughs> also uh, coming up on the horizon, uh, but we'll get into uh, all of that. Uh, Akiva, we start off this episode with a scene that will have to do with the episode, and again, these super plot-heavy episodes—they they don't waste that first scene before the open of the show, before that first commercial, we see Jerry and Kristen Davis, the inciting incident of the whole show. 
where Jerry is brushing his teeth and then he knocks her toothbrush into the toilet. Um, yeah, no, you're right. That we, we sort of like established all these rules, like the, you know, the opening scene post stand up is going to be something that's irrelevant. And then it's like, it's just going to be a throwaway. And now it's like, literally, as you say, the key scene in the entire episode, we're just starting off with it. Yeah. And so Jerry, almost without hesitation, I think that this might be maybe a, a little bit of a, uh, out of character moment for Jerry. He sticks his hand right in the toilet to pull out her toothbrush. You know, the whole episode is about how he's so grossed out about her toothbrush being in the toilet. He stuck his bare hand in the toilet. Yeah, kind of crazy. He should have at least like got a glove or something. Yeah, or like uh, tweezers or a tongue or some sort of like uh, a stick or something to pull it out. And somehow in ninja precision, Kristen Davis is able to sneak up behind Jerry and uh, put toothpaste on the toothbrush and start brushing her teeth. Yeah, we had a, we had like a similar issue this past week. We had a lot of kids over at the house and a bunch of little kids went to the bathroom together as, as little kids are wont to do, mm-hmm. especially girls. And um, we, we hear like a yell come out of the bathroom. And my daughter comes out and says, like, one of the girls was was on the toilet and another girl uh, knocked nail polish into the toilet. Oh, no. And now she can't flush it. Yeah. And it wasn't like uh, my kid wasn't the one using the bathroom. Right. So like I went from not going to do it to obviously not going to do it. Yes. <laughs> so I just figured like we'll just have one less bathroom in the house forever and it'll be OK. You were just going to shut down the bathroom? Yeah, forever. Like, what am I going to do? I'm not taking the nail. Like, you can't flush the nail polish. It'll like explode the pipes. But I'm not like fishing out the nail polish. Like, I don't want to know what's in there. Right. Uh, and then one of the moms like was like a nurse just got up and was like, I'll take care. Yeah, I can ask a even series hurt. of follow up questions to this, but yeah. it's probably mm-hmm. in our best interest to uh, not explore this too much further. Probably not. Probably not. Probably not. Okay. <laughs> so we end up seeing that. Obviously, she has started using the toothbrush and uh, Jerry is pretty horrified. I do feel like that uh, and it's talked about in the episode, but I do think that this is a episode where Jerry's character uh, really goes to the next level in terms of like he was always clean. But now we are uh, really fully exploring that Jerry has a disorder. Right. The fact that they bring up the words disorder and problem and stuff. Uh, you know, this week is they are taking it to the next level, but it's not it's not a new thing. It's definitely a character trait he's had since day one. But now we're in overdrive. <sighs> yes and no. I mean, if you're a neat freak like this would bother you. What is the previous thing that has happened to Jerry that we can say is a good example of this? Was it when he found out that the woman he was seeing had a fungus cream? Yeah, I think the fungus cream is the most analogous to this. OK, well, this is like 30 levels uh, past this. Okay, that's true. Okay. Uh, We'll see how many other times this comes up along the rest of the way. So Jerry and George are meeting up in Monks, and obviously Jerry is filling George in about the toothbrush incident. George is a subscriber to the five-second rule. He feels like if the toothbrush wasn't in there for that long, no harm, no foul. Yeah, and it was a clean toilet. It wasn't wasn't like, you know, someone had just gone to the bathroom in it. I mean, what's your take on this, Akiva? Clean toilet? Just the water in there. She seems like a clean person. It's not like this is like a frat house or like some sort of a public restroom. Toothbrush got knocked in, comes right out. She starts using it. I mean, again, so she doesn't know. But if this is a regular toothbrush, like not a not a fancy one, not an electric toothbrush, I I would just throw it out. I mean, toothbrushes, you go to the dentist, they hand you toothbrushes. It's not like there's some expensive thing. Um, so I would not, and you usually have an extra toothbrush in the house. Um, and so I, I would definitely have just thrown it in the garbage. Yeah. So you, you think that Jerry should have taken it from the toilet immediately thrown it in the garbage, but let's say this happened yeah. now. Okay. Somehow she starts brushing her teeth with this toothbrush. So what is your reaction to that? I mean, it's hard to tell her my, my wife would just be so mad at me that I knocked it in the toilet. Mm hmm that it would never be worth telling her. I think I'd have to do what Jerry did, which would, uh, the, the difference is I would do what Jerry did. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think I'd do exactly what he did. I'd let her use it that one time if I didn't think it was going to get her sick, and then I'd throw it out the window like he did. Right, but and in terms tell. of would you be trying to feed her Listerine like uh, when she's not looking and stuff like that? No, 
No, no, no, no. I mean, that stuff is excessive. But okay. I, I think, but I, you know, again, that's Jerry's sort of mania. Like, I wouldn't care like past, you know, that minute. Like, you know, I, what am I, what am I going to do? Yeah. All right. So George reveals that he has gotten a new keychain from the Yankees. He has a Phil Rizzuto keychain that when you squeeze his head, it says, holy cow. Now, Keeve, um, at what point did uh, Phil Rizzuto go to the alternate side? Um, well, I, before this episode, right? Because don't they reference that he had he, like, hadn't he just died? Oh, uh, I don't know. No, I mean, no, no, no. I'm sorry. I thought I don't I thought think they so. I mean, there's one point no. when Jerry is asking about that's not how they really get him to do. Holy cow. By squeezing his head. I mean, I think that would right, be in no. poor taste. He, he dies 10 years after the episode. He dies in 2007. Keith, you were way off on that. Yeah. I, I, listen, every Yankee is dead to me. <laughs> <laughs> Too soon. Too soon, Keith. That was 10 years. You, yeah. you could make any joke within 10 years. Yeah. Was he still calling any games during the Yankees World Series run? Um, I don't think so. Because Jerry doesn't talk about it in the past tense of, is that how they get him to do the call? But maybe he would like come out like uh, and do like, you know, like Ralph Kiner used to show up at uh, like five games a year. He did a tiny bit in 1996. That's my impression. Okay. All right. So Kramer comes in. And uh, that he ends up bringing in, what is this, a sewing machine? Yeah, some sort of typing or sewing machine. Now, is it the same sewing machine which ends up under Newman's mail truck at the end of the episode? I mean, this is just like some sort of amazing coincidence, right? There's no way that the sewing machine makes it back to where Elaine's neighbor's building was, right? Yeah, I, someone asks about this in the mailbag, but I do think it has to be a separate one, right? Mm -hmm. And maybe like they were they were hot sewing machines, you know, someone stole them and realized like I'm not going to be able to resell them, or maybe I'm going to get busted with them. It's like too specific of an item, so they just like toss 10 of them in the woods on the on the highway, and that's why they keep turning up here. I have to think that there must have been some sort of a deleted scene where this sewing machine moves from Kramer has it in the coffee shop to the building across the street from Elaine in that dumpster so that Elaine can go and throw it back on that same highway. Like it's too close to being a perfectly complete circle to not have been intentional. Um, I hear you. Uh, I, I don't think there was a deleted scene, but I get your logic. If anything, then, then there was an earlier draft of the script where That's this possible. all came full circle because there's why would there be two sew sewing machines in the road is not like a trope where it's a common occurrence. Yeah, that's fair. You know, it's so random that that would happen twice. So then uh, Kramer is talking about that. Uh, he's uh, very upset with the infrastructure infrastructure in 1997 is crumbling. Keith. Yeah, it's I feel like the infrastructure is always crumbling. That's what politicians are always talking about. <laughs> when was it good? When do we really have that good infrastructure? I guess like the day they built the first highway. Is that what it was? Like post-World War II, we got the good infrastructure? I think that's what it was. That's exactly what they focused on. It was like, you know, we're gonna, they built the highway system back then when like labor was cheap. Yeah, so that was a good uh, use of the infrastructure at that point. Uh, so we then see Elaine on the phone. She's calling this Chinese restaurant, and she is looking for the supreme flounder. Uh, first time that it's being served in America. Uh, you know, I like the storyline, but it's weird that it's the flounder, right? Like who orders, like what Chinese restaurants even serve flounder? We have seen Elaine talk of seafood in the past. Uh, there was an episode that we talked about uh, a few weeks back where both Jerry and Elaine mentioned in the episode that she had a great piece of whitefish in the episode. So maybe Elaine's mm -hmm. just a big seafood buff and she heard that the Supreme Flounder at this place is the best. Uh, yeah, no, I guess. I, I, best flounder in the city at China Panda. Yeah, I mean, again, best. I don't think Chinese restaurants serve flounder, but I guess it's the best. <laughs> okay, so here is the issue for Elaine that her address is on West 86th Street and they don't deliver below 86th Street, that the street is the divider. And uh, she can't go and cross the street and meet the guy. I like that the guy says to her, if we deliver to you, then what? 85th Street, Wall Street, Mexico, 84th Street. I, I like the yeah. order of uh, southness of those things. 
Yeah, good job by the O buddies writing. They wrote a good line here. <laughs> okay, so they tell Elaine no. They cannot deliver to her. She calls back in a phony voice and uh, orders it to go across the street. Um, yeah, I... Yeah, I mean, I I like the storyline, but there's going to be I'm going to have some complaints complaints about it when we get further here. Okay, because you're a big food delivery guy. Uh, well, so are you. You do. Um, I I will order food from a restaurant, mm-hmm. but I'm not a big app guy. Yeah, I'm a big app guy because I hate like, trying to figure out the map. I don't want to figure out like, oh, am I inside the calling radius? I just know if I go on the app, and then the app says I can do it, and then I don't have to deal with anybody on the phone. What um, which app do you use? I use DoorDash, not a paid endorsement. Not a paid endorsement, but but because there's a bunch of them, and now every day, like every everyone and their cousin has like a you know a food sort of delivery startup. Mm-hmm. Sure, yeah. But anyway, there was a an amazing article this week on the Ringer, and I, you don't say amazing articles in the Ringer often, right? But um, Mallory Rubin from the Ringer, yes, wrote a um, an incredible article about her DoorDash slash Eater whatever slash you know all these. Um, different, you know, third-party delivery food services in L.A. Okay. Everyone should read it. It's incredible. Um, It's called Confessions of a Postmates Addict. Yeah, what's the big takeaway? The the big takeaway is in the last um, four years, she has ordered 705 times from from those places. My only complaint with the article is that she doesn't give an amount, but I suspect the amount is like $100,000 of food. Hmm. Yeah, it's. I mean, the art. It's amazing. The article's insane. Let's see. I, I suggest. I guess the average uh, order on there is probably like twenty to twenty five dollars. What'd you say? She got seven hundred. Yeah, but she, I mean, the one the one uh, receipt she posts is over a hundred bucks. Yeah, it's for her and her husband. The, the, it just it's completely insane. You know, because like I see service. It's, Service yeah. fee deliveries forty six bucks. There's, I mean, Keith, uh, surge pricing. I mean, even if she got uh, what seven hundred fifty times, seven hundred fifty orders. Even if she spent fifty dollars an order, that's still only thirty seven thousand dollars. Yeah, but what if it's a hundred thousand dollars? Anyway, <laughs> it, the articles, it, the article is just so amazing. I, yeah. I tweeted at her and I, I told her, I wish one day. I hope I love anything as much as you love ordering and food to your house in LA. Yeah, the convenience factor is big because, uh, like, when you factor in. Just like, okay, if I'm going to go out and get something, then it's going to take me at least like 10, 15 minutes. You know, you start to get into the equation of like, well, what can I be doing in that time? How much work can I be getting done if I don't go to do that? So the convenience is a big deal. But she like discusses like one time she goes to a restaurant, she likes it. She like leaves. And then she was like, oh, I really liked it. So she like orders more to like come to her house. Like and the guy's probably like a minute behind her. Right. I don't know. I can't I can't speak to that. I can only talk to uh, the convenience of not having to go places. I can't. No, I'd also like she's like, yeah, I've eaten at this restaurant like 120 times, but I've never been in the door. Okay. I mean, uh, I could see that if you find a a place that's a good delivery. But let's not get too uh, taken off the four lane highway, Keeve. Got it. Okay. so Kramer ends up uh, coming by. He uh, is basically acting as though he is a proud father. Uh, that's actually what he comes in and says, but he explains that he is now, uh, adopted a highway and now he is the owner of mile 114. Do we know what highway he, this is a part of? Uh, it just says the Arthur Burkhardt expressway. It's a fake highway. Okay. A fake highway, the one, uh, mile 114. And so that he's like smoking a cigar and he's showing a picture and acting as though uh, that he is a person. Uh, who has a baby as a recent parent. Did this speak to you, Keith? The, what, that's his baby? Yes. Um, I mean, you know, everyone needs their own thing. Like, you know, dog owners act like that sometimes. And, you know, it teach their own. Okay. All right. So George comes in. He cannot find his keys. He doesn't know where they are. He doesn't have spare keys because all his keys say do not duplicate. Um, now, uh, is this a thing? Does everybody know this? All keys say do not duplicate. I think a lot of keys say do not duplicate. Okay. Now, is this out of canon? We go back to, what was it, season three, where we had the keys, the end of season three, which ended up uh, leading to Kramer running away. So did George Uh have spare keys at that time? And then he does not have spare keys for this new place he lives in? Yeah, he's moved. So I guess that's the answer. Okay. So, but how did he get spare keys the first time? They just gave him them with the apartment? Yeah, maybe sometimes they give you two pair. Okay. Or maybe those keys didn't say do not duplicate. Oh, maybe. Uh, so Elaine is on the sidewalk 
here comes uh, the man from uh, China Panda. I mean, uh, this guy is no ping for the record. No, not ping. Yes. If we ever did a ranking of the greatest uh, Chinese food delivery guys in Seinfeld history, uh, this guy would definitely be uh, behind ping. Um, yeah, I mean, or ahead of ping, I guess, if you like people who don't sue you. <laughs> right, right. And uh, did the guy from Hop Sings have a delivery guy? Did Hop Sings have a delivery guy? I'm not sure. Yeah, I know that they were on the phone uh, with the guy at Hop Sings. But uh, here's yeah, this I think guy. Hop Sing did have a delivery guy. Yeah, wasn't it the same guy? Wasn't the owner also the, <laughs> it might the delivery guy at Hop Sing? That's possible. And so uh, the delivery guy gives Elaine the food and uh, very clearly an empty bag. I feel like that Michael Richards would have insisted that the bag actually had Chinese food in it because you can see that the way that's flying around, there's no way that bag is full. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, he would have put a bowling ball on there just to make it heavier. <laughs> to make it heavier. And so that Elaine gets the food. She's trying to go into the building. Obviously, it's not her building. And so she ends up just handing the bag back to the guy who takes the food away. I mean, this seemed like a very clean transaction, Keeve. Yeah, she should have run. Yeah, yeah. I mean, what does the delivery guy care where she lives? I understand, like, if you say, no, we're not sending our delivery guy out there. The rules are the rules. Once the delivery person has given you the food, like, isn't his desire to make the tip? It's crazy, right? He has to give back the tip in taking it back. I understand that he, maybe he does, it's annoying to him to have to go down this far south. But just, you know, say like, you know, I need I make up some bogus like you have to pay an extra 20 bucks and don't do this again. Put her on a do not call list, you know, blacklist or like Hop Singh did. But don't, don't like why would you get get, you know, you already went down there. Yeah, why spite what, her the, at this point? Yeah, The food is going in the garbage and your tip is now back in her pocket. It makes no sense. OK, Elaine cries. This is address discrimination. Uh, I mean, it is. But I, what most places do is they just have a surcharge for more than X number of streets away yeah i'll tell you what i get hit with on doordash a surcharge for small order i would never have that if i did doordash <laughs> caviar that was another one so well this caviar i i see that you can't even like uh put that out there in the world that you're getting caviar delivered to your house no no no, no. caviar is the name of like the doordash competitor oh that she uses no, that's terrible you name. should really be priced you know Too bougie I mean, it's just the name caviar it maybe maybe the the service itself is less bougie Keith, would you order? Do uh, you have an app called Caviar on your phone? Yeah, I mean, if if you know, whatever, whichever one gets me my food faster. Okay, I would order. I would order from like Caviar, DoorDash, and the other one. I forget the other one. Like the exact same thing from the same restaurant, and then just see like who gets to me first. Okay, and then what? I make it like a bake off. <laughs> bake off. You know, that's what they call it when it's like a test of you. You know, you're testing. Okay. All right. So then uh, we end up seeing Jerry and George on the street. Uh, they're coming out of the drugstore where Jerry is buying uh, all these cleaning products. Uh, George is also retracing his steps. And he talks about he was doing this. He was going to get a muffin. It was that cake. And then he remembers the broad jump where there's a big pothole in the street. And apparently he does this every day. And he heard a noise when he did the broad jump. He didn't look down because he wanted to stick the landing and they see that the pothole has been filled in. Yeah. But I mean, that's pretty amazing that he remembers every step he took. Yes. OK. Uh, Keeve, would you uh, do any sort of uh, pothole broad jumping? Yeah, I've been known to like jump. It's it's less potholes. It's more like, you know, it's snowy on the ground. So you wouldn't know about this. You're a left coast elite right now. Mm -hmm. But like, you know, you remember like there's there's like this big like maybe two days after it snows, there's this big snow puddle. And so you try and like, there's no way around it because it's enormous. You can't walk around it to so do like the big broad jump. So we've all been there, uh, you know, at least people who live near snow. Yes. Okay. So back at Kristen Davis's apartment. So Jerry has now given her an electric toothbrush. I don't know where he got that from. Is that uh, in the past on Seinfeld? I thought it's canon that an electric toothbrush can only be shipped in some sort of giant box. Yeah, that's true. The box needs to be much bigger. Yeah. Okay. So. He says uh, to her, don't turn it off. It has an automatic turn off uh, and he, under his breath uh, when the battery dies. Uh, he's telling her to use plaques. And she says, uh, this stuff tastes like bleach, 
which is a funny callback to earlier with George that he asked George, uh, can you drink bleach? He said no. Uh, now he says uh, under his breath, I don't know anything about that. Yeah, so he, just to keep score, he literally served his girlfriend bleach here. Yes, yes. Supposedly, supposedly. Not canon. I mean, if it tastes like bleach, what did he do? Make like a bleach supplement? I don't know. It's bleach. Maybe plaques just taste like bleach. I guess. Yeah. Okay. And then uh, Jerry throws out the toothbrush and he's all ready to kiss Kristen Davis. And he still can't bring himself to do it, Keith. He's triggered. Is he triggered? I think so. Yeah. He's a snowflake. <laughs> <laughs> this is a very first world problem. Is it? To not kiss someone who's who's... Toothbrush was in the toilet. I think it's the definition like it's like a of world a problem. first world problem. I mean, it's nice to have like uh, like a beautiful woman like Kristen Davis who wants to kiss you. But, uh, you know, I feel like even people in, in second and third world countries would also not want to kiss someone whose mouth was just in the toilet. I think you're wrong about that. I think the person in the third world nation uh, does not have a toothbrush or a toilet in the first place. Yeah, they're still not toilet kissing people. <laughs> they would. Um, Kristen Davis showed up. They would. Yeah, that's true. Kristen Davis, all rules are out the window. So, <laughs> fair enough. And I'm saying Kristen Davis now. I'm not even talking 1997. Oh, okay, okay, okay. No? Okay. So Jerry is in the car with Elaine, and he's talking about this whole predicament. And Elaine's rather disgusted with the whole thing, especially when Jerry's talking about that. Maybe if he could shrink himself, he could uh, go into her mouth with some sort of a laser. Uh, this movie that he's talking about, Fantastic Voyage, uh, I only know of Coolio, Fantastic Voyage. Coolio Fantastic Voyage? What's yes. that? Yes, that's a popular that a song? S- popular song. I, like I think also Sinbad from movie? 1997. No, nah, I don't know. Is that right? Yeah. Fantastic Voyage by Coolio. Uh, yeah. Uh, I'm sorry, 1994. I was, I was very not into music when I was a, a younger kid. And whenever Gangster's Paradise came out, some girl came over and like started talking to me about it. And I had never heard of it. Mm-hmm. She just walked away. Walked away and never spoke to me again. Wow over and i probably that's probably what got me in the music i'm like oh i gotta i gotta get more like hip like i don't even know what the you know this girl's cooler than me i gotta i gotta get into music yeah coolio famously said uh come on y'all let's take a ride don't you say the s word just get inside it's time to take your ass on another kind of trip because you can't have the hop if you don't have the hip Mm. it's amazing he hasn't held up 22 years later (laughs) yeah it's like poetry. All right. So uh, Elaine says, look, uh, do you see where this is all going? And Jerry says, what, being clean and happy? No, that you are on your way to a disorder and a quirk or two away from dementia. Yeah, I mean, he really is. You know, this is this is definitely uh, I thought they were going a different spectrum with him. But no. I guess the dementia spectrum to him is like also, an, a, you know, a possibility. OK, uh, they end up driving past Kramer's uh, mile marker on the highway. Uh, they talk about stopping to say hi, but they'll see him back at the apartment. I, I totally agree with this uh, thinking. Yeah, who, the highway stop and talk is, uh, you know, I don't know who you do that for, but that's a pretty high level. Of yeah, where stop. are they going, by the way, that they're getting out to mile 114 of some highway? I mean, I, I don't know. Like, the, unless it's the West Side Highway and you're just like driving within Manhattan. I, I have no idea where they're going. It's strange. I mean, the West Side Highway has like adopt a highway project. No, but I'm sure if you wanted to adopt a highway, you could. How much? Do you, by the way, Kramer's no money. It's got to be expensive to adopt a highway. Hmm. Well, maybe they get you on the cleaning. Maybe it's cheap to adopt the highway. Oh, so if you agree to clean everything yourself, which Kramer does, it's much cheaper. OK, I'll buy because usually it's like big corporations that do it. Yeah. All right. So we see Elaine and some guy. That she's trying to get him to order Chinese food. Can I use your apartment to order food? Uh, she asks him. Uh, she wants some flounder. And uh, this man is very confused. Yeah, he's not having anything of it. Yeah, who let you into the building? Uh, he wants to know. I mean, she should have told him she's the janitor. <laughs> yes. Well, uh, we'll get there. So uh, Elaine sees the open uh, janitor closet across the way. And uh, she gets an idea. She has some inspiration. Yeah. Um, and the problem is that the guy knows her. The second the guy sees her, he should have run away. We yeah. already know this guy's committed to like not serving Elaine. So, you know, it's it's weird that the plan works in the end. He's a real stickler, the Chinese food delivery guy. Yeah, but 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 also he's by the book because like he sees her in an apartment in the building and he gives her the food, even though he knows she's up to no good. 
Yes. Uh, that's that's true. Well, maybe he got yelled at uh last time of like that you know make the sale no matter what. Yeah, that's true. Maybe, yeah, maybe the boss was like, "You're an idiot." You know, what are like, you being you the hero? Home for? with all this Chinese food. Yeah, yeah. He Can't charged do anything for with us with this amazing flounder. Okay, so back in Jerry's apartment, we see Kramer has now taken all of the signs off of the road and is cleaning them in Jerry's apartment. Yeah, I mean, he really, you know, Kramer really is getting around this highway and uh, it changing things up. Yeah. I mean, uh, we're really on our way now towards uh, getting to the ridiculous in this episode of Seinfeld. Oh, no, we're there. We're, <laughs> we're there. It's ridiculous. Okay. So uh, Kramer, I do like when he holds up the uh, speed limit sign that somebody had spray painted a one in front of the 65. And uh, Kramer is like, oh, these kids, God love them with their spray paint. Um, yeah, he thought that was really funny. 165 miles an hour. Yeah. Okay. So George comes in, he's still looking for his keys and uh, he's not having any luck reaching anybody in the city to come and drill up this pothole. That's apparently not a service that they offer. Yeah, I mean, I can't imagine, uh, you know, like unless there's like a baby under there, I can't imagine they'd be interested in helping him out. Well, that's what George says. I'll tell you this. If the real Phil Rizzuto was down there, this wouldn't be happening. Yeah, yeah. That's why I thought he was dead for a second because Jerry makes a joke like, I don't know. Yeah, he says hard to say. And so Kramer says uh, that uh, he knows some maintenance guys that might be able to help George out with this issue. Yeah, no, Kramer would definitely know maintenance guys, especially since he's working on the side of the highway. Okay, all right. So here comes Kristen Davis. Her character's name is actually Jenna. And uh, so Jerry needs to prove to himself that he's not going to get dementia and he needs to kiss her. And so uh, that when she finally makes her way up there, uh, he says his cold is gone. He's ready to kiss her. But then he can't. He says he hurt his lip and uh, he just sort of freaks out and uh, finally blurts out that uh, I dropped your toothbrush in the toilet. Yeah, I mean, he should never have told her. And I do like that he tells her right afterwards that he was never going to tell her. (laughs) Yeah. Are we going to tell me this? And he says, uh, obviously, never. Okay, so. Jerry ends up uh, giving Kramer a hand with the street signs. And then Kristen Davis uh, slams his door. And then she comes out and tells him, now something of yours has been in the toilet. I got to run. What a power move. I really like this move by Kristen Davis. Yeah, I do like this move. Now, the payoff ultimately is going to be that she put his toilet brush into Mm -hmm. the toilet. Yeah, that's even funnier. That's even funnier. Yeah, because you create chaos, but then it's really nothing. But why did you have to even do it? Then why couldn't you just say, I put something in the toilet? Like, so, like, she's like a domestic terrorist. Like, that's what. But you don't have to actually put the toilet brush in the. I put the toilet brush in the toilet is the same exact thing of, I was kidding. I didn't put anything in the toilet. Right, but she's not a liar. She wants to be honest. Yeah, that's uh, like a ticky tack. Well, listen, she's ticky tack because she did it. Okay, <laughs> so I, I just think that she that, like just say like, no, I, I was joking. I, there was nothing I really put in the toilet like there's yeah, that's right. just defeats ne- the purpose. All right. Next time we see Jenna, we'll talk. By the way, I feel I've never met a Jenna I didn't like. I feel like it's a good name. You like all Jennas. All, all Jennas. I'm pro all Jennas. Uh, OK. Uh, you ever watch the challenge? The Jenna on there. She's great. She's good. OK. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, very, uh, Jenna, that's like it. Jenna Elfman. That's a person, right? Yeah. No. Um, I mean, I'm fine with her, but I'm not like a super fan of Jenna Elfman. Okay. What's she from? Dharma and Greg. Elfman? Yeah, Dharma and Greg. Yeah, she was fine. <laughs> okay. So we then end up seeing uh, Jerry calling on the phone uh, that he wants to know was it the spatula? He's throwing things out left and right. Yeah, literally just throwing stuff in the garbage. He's very concerned about the whole thing. So Kramer comes in the apartment and he has a new idea. He is going to uh, widen the lanes in the highway. Brilliant idea. Okay. And so uh, he's going to take the four lanes of traffic and uh, he is going to end up turning them into two lanes. Now, Keith, would you like a more luxurious lane? I mean, I I like lane highways more than four if there's no traffic yes but what about one really wide lane in a four lane Hmm. yeah i mean then a bad driver like me has no problem staying within the lines Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. Could you go from especially guess, at night? Like the real the reason I can't drive is because I don't have like perception at night of like if I'm in a lane or not. Wow. Yeah. Okay. I'm, I just have bad vision. Yeah. But um, but I feel like with you know with so the fewer lanes to me the better. Okay, so two lanes would have been good for Akiva for wheels. So, mm. ironically, wheels who doesn't drive. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Elaine's also going to place an order back to the Chinese restaurant. Uh, she's going to order the Supreme Flounder to apartment one Q. Uh, Jerry wants to know one Q. Whose apartment is that? And Elaine announces that it's the janitor closet across the street. How is Elaine buzzing people up that come to the door? I mean, I guess they're just. The delivery man will just hit every buzzer at a certain point if you ever lived in a building like that. Okay, so he'll just come on in. Okay. So yeah, Elaine someone knows will how it works. Yeah. Okay. Um, so Elaine is talking about her love of flounder. Kramer says, uh, that stuff's unbelievable. I eat it out of a dumpster. And uh <laughs> Elaine uh says, uh, well, how do you know about this? It turns out that Newman uses his mail truck to run fish for China Panda on the weekends, Keeve. Yeah. What? Yeah. I mean, they just really need to get Newman in this mentioned before the final scene, I guess. He runs the fish from where? Probably to Jersey or something. So they Newman just on the weekends? Like, is he doing it for free fish? I, I mean, what, how is Newman involved with a Chinese restaurant delivering them fish in the mail truck? Yeah, I think a lot of like Manhattan mailmen don't even have a truck, first of all. <laughs> Okay, I do like where Elaine uh, chastises uh, Jerry and says, uh, what do you want me to do? Go eat it in the restaurant by myself like a loser? I, the problem is that there's obviously a third option, right? Mm-hmm. Which is go to the restaurant and get takeout and take the food home and eat it there. Yeah, I guess so. But I guess Elaine doesn't want to go and make that trip. Um, yeah, you're right. That Maybe she could have gotten blacklisted or something like that in the restaurant. Yeah, I mean, there's sit-in, take-out, delivery, and I don't know why she's not even... They should have at least had a reason why she can't take out. Yeah, okay. So then we go to Elaine. She is in the janitor closet uh, with uh, a taped one cue on the door. She is pretending that uh, she is coming out of the shower, and she grabs the bag, gives the guy the money, and slams the door in his face. Yeah, I mean, which is, I guess, I guess it's the equivalent of running away, which she should have done last time. Like, what's he going to do? There's, he's got no chance of getting the uh, food back. All right. So George is on the street with the construction guys. And uh, this is a little bit of a shakedown. Yeah, they, they will not tell him. Uh, they basically aren't doing anything until he, he gives them some cash. OK, so ultimately, George is going to end up. We see him doing the job himself with the jackhammer. How does that come about? Yeah, well, they, for 50 bucks, they let him do it himself. Oh, is that it? Yeah, I guess they were giving him they quoted him a high price and he was too cheap to do it. Yeah. You would think that the guy with the jackhammer uh, really wouldn't want to lend out the equipment. Yeah, unless it's city equipment, then he doesn't care. He doesn't care. Okay. So we then see Kramer driving along on the expressway, and uh, he is painting over the uh, second and fourth line. I'm not sure what lines he's painting over, I guess. Uh, basically, line one and three. Yeah. So he's trying to make the luxurious lanes. Uh, on that, on his uh, patch of the highway. So I love that he's painting over while driving. It's just great. <laughs> yeah. All right. So Elaine uh, comes out of the janitor closet after she eats uh, the flounder. What is she? She eats her meals in there too. It's weird that she. Doesn't yeah, that's home. what bothered me. It's like why? Yeah, why don't you go home at a certain point? Like that's weird, right? Yeah. And so here's Mrs. Alistair, and uh, she's like, "Hey." What are you doing? Uh, and uh, Elaine says, no, I, I was just. And then uh, she assumes that Elaine is the janitor. And uh, she starts yelling at Elaine for getting lazy on the job. Now, is Miss Alistair like the super? I don't know. Like, she has a lot of opinions for like a janitor she's never seen before. If she's just a random tenant. Oh, I don't think she's a tenant. Uh, but I do feel like she's some sort of. Is there anything in between tenant and super? Is there like some sort of like janitor manager? Um, I. I, there could be like if in a big building, she could be some sort of like uh, assistant supervisor or something. Mm -hmm. yeah, um, but I, to me, she's just the she is a, a tenant in the building. That's what I think. OK. All right. So uh, she tells Elaine that uh, stop slacking off. You got a lot of work to do. Uh, so we see Kramer then the next day. He wakes up to the traffic report and they warn people heading north on the Arthur Burkhart. Uh, whoa, Nelly. 
a lot of traffic. Somebody really screwed this up. Yeah, who knew that you can't just do whatever you want when you adopt the highway? Yeah. <laughs> I do like that uh, the traffic reporter. I feel like they uh, really nailed that. Yeah. Well, they may have gotten one of the regular ones, like the 1010 Winds people. Yeah. Um, traffic report on the radio. Does that do anything for anybody? It used to. Yeah. I mean, I think it does. Like, here's the deal. Here's the deal. If you are deciding which highway to go on, if, you, if you're going to a destination where it's like, I could take the LIE or the Van Wick or the whatever, you know, then you want to hear the traffic. And I don't have an app? I mean, I guess you have an app. Oh, you, you mean in 2017, does it help anybody? Right. Mm. There's a lot, of, a lot of the people driving who are listening to the radio are old people. Mm-hmm. They probably don't have apps. In 10 years, there will be no more traffic reporting. Yeah. It's a dying be a robot app. doing that job. <laughs> I really don't know what you're supposed to do. Like, I, I just, I see, like, and, and we get it on TV here in Los Angeles. They put it up on right, the screen. Right, it's a bigger like, deal by you. Yeah, it's like, oh, look at the traffic. Oh, like, it's like, oh, the only thing it's ever done is I just say, like, oh, I'm, I'm glad I'm not going anywhere right now. Yeah, I mean, I, I, yeah, I, I think, what about the weather? Who, like, who needs mm, the people giving yeah, the weather? The weather, I think, you, weather is still, you know, you know, um, that, you know. It, it's, you don't have an app for that? You do have an app for the weather, but the weather is not something I'm like actively looking up. It's sort of like it's just like something that comes on and then you get that information, but it's not information I often seek out. Okay. It's just like, oh, like, oh, okay, let's go do the forecast. It's like, I feel like your ears perk up, but it's not something I'm like, oh, like, what's the weather going to be the next five days? Yeah, fair enough. Okay. All right. So Elaine is back at her janitor closet. And uh, she is getting a visit first from Jerry, uh, who is there to meet her up for the flounder. Yeah. And somehow everyone knows where she is. <laughs> yeah. They don't really explain how both George and Kramer uh, know where she is. But uh, here's George. He shows up and um, that he was uh, downstairs uh, with the jackhammer, thought he'd drop by. You know, it's interesting that like what is like the cross section of Elaine's apartment? The building with the flounder and Jerry's apartment and the Chris and Davis apartment. Like, are they right. all like okay. uh, like four buildings that are on the same block? Well, Jerry's apartment doesn't have to be right here, right? There's no reason why Jerry's apartment is right there. I guess so. I'm assuming because uh, that George did the broad jump to get to Jerry's house. I assume that the pothole was near Jerry's house, but it could right. be a couple but he blocks Right, but he could have been coming from anywhere. It could have been coming right. from Elaine's house. But it does seem um, that Elaine's apartment, this place, and... Uh, Chris yeah, Davis and Jenna's family. have to be very have to be very close to each other. They're real neighbors. Yes, like they have to be basically three corners. You're right. Which begs the question: Why couldn't Elaine go to Kristen Davis's house to get the flounder? She's never met her. She hasn't met her yet. Okay, I mean, maybe in a few weeks if Jerry's still going out with her. Maybe I mean, Elaine should be invested. Also, in it's like the ex girlfriend's going to go over to the new girlfriend's house to, to get flounder because of a address snafu. I don't know. It just seems like. It's a big ask. Okay. Well, I mean, she's ordering Chinese food out of a janitor closet right now. Yeah. I, I mean, this is this, like we've had thirsty Elaine. This is like the most pathetic Elaine. <laughs> it's just played well. Like, her whole goal is every single day just ordering Chinese food from the same place. <laughs> okay. So uh, then on top of Georgia coming in, now uh, Kramer comes in and uh, we're getting really slapstick at this point. Yes, no, it gets getting more and more ridiculous from now till the end of the episode. Yeah. Okay, so everybody's in the supply closet. They're all like uh, knocking into each other. There's a knock at the door. It's Mrs. Alistair and uh, Elaine has to squeeze through. She gets out and uh, that she is getting in trouble. That is a bunch of trash that she needed to haul out of the basement that she has not gotten to yet. Yeah, and she tells her they're having a janitor's meeting. Yes. It's a good save. When she sees all the guys uh, getting out. What do you think Mrs. Alistair thought? Again, she must be a tenant because there's no way that she would know. She wouldn't know any of the four janitors in the building. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And there's apparently some stuff in the basement and the children are eating the trash. Yeah, but some of it's vegetables. Some of it is vegetables. All right. So Kramer spilled ammonia and the guys all uh, go uh, running out. And Kramer's going to borrow some chain does the chain end up uh, paying off in any way? Not really. What does he need the chain for? I don't know. Th- th- like I, part of his, you know, scheme, but I don't, I don't know where the chain was there. You're right. Okay. All right. So we then see uh, Kristen Davis. Uh, she's there. And Jerry is trying to at least uh, make Kristen Davis think he's all better. 
He's not concerned about the toothbrush anymore. Yeah, he's been trying. He's been trying. And here comes Elaine. She needs to borrow Jerry's car. She needs to haul away the trash from the basement of the Flounder building. And uh, she needs to borrow Jerry's car for that. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's cr- like, I'm surprised that Jerry, like, once he realizes, doesn't run after Elaine and stop her. I mean, why is Elaine going through with this? Yeah, why, right. I guess, she, I guess she's committed to still ordering the Flounder. Right. That's what she's establishing here. And she's not even considering going to a, another plan. Like, it's easier to still order the flounder from the janitor's closet and haul a basement full of garbage to some dump somewhere rather right. than... And not even paying someone to do it for her. Right. Right. Crazy. Or, or even just, like, taking it and just, like, throwing it on the street. That must be some magic flounder. Yeah. Or, like, putting it in the trash in Jerry's building or anything. Yeah, crazy. Okay. So she ends up borrowing uh, Jerry's car. And uh, he says, that was my last sanctuary. He says he slept in that car last night because it was the only place that didn't have the germs. And uh, he wants to know, what did she put into the toilet? And she says, it was the toilet brush. Yeah, I like that he says he could replace that, which mm-hmm. is a line. Yeah, that was funny. Okay. So they're going to go get dinner. And uh, Jerry tells her that we need to go to your place because I threw out all my dishes. Yeah. And as Chester pointed out, um, if you order dinner in, like they're saying, or she said, if you want to order dinner? Like if you order dinner in, they send you utensils. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I Especially guess if you order fair. Chinese, like you don't get plates if you order like a hamburger. But if you order Chinese, they send it in those like boxy things that, you know, you're good to go. You could. You could do that. Maybe Jerry is anti-chopsticks. I mean, they send you forks. Okay. All right. What are you going to do? So we then get to see where we have Elaine on the sidewalk and uh, she is now like a blue collar worker that uh, she is uh, getting ready to take the trash uh, or is hauling some of the trash over to the dump. We see George on the jackhammer uh, giving an acknowledgement and Kramer is loading in this uh, 40 gallon drum of paint remover into his car. Yeah, yeah. Pretty typical stuff. Jackhammering, paint thinner. Right. Elaine being garbage woman. Like, we have gone to full Wiley Coyote Roadrunner levels yes. at this point. Yes. We were, I wrote down, uh, we're on The Simpsons right now. <laughs> we're okay. not a Family Guy territory. We got like the chickens fighting on the car, but we're at least <laughs> in The Simpsons world. Not yet. Okay. So Jerry is eating with Kristen Davis and uh, he has wine and he says, I'm not going to let some silly hygienic mishap get in the way of what could be a meaningful relationship. Uh, George is working on the jackhammer and uh, that he ends up hitting something and there's uh, some rumbling sounds and noises, not unlike an earthquake. I feel like that Jerry does not seem very alarmed. Um, I mean, it's, it seems like the whole world is ending. Like this is, you know, right. But Jerry, yeah, it, it, like the building is shaking. Mm-hmm. I, I, we, I do want, like, I just wonder if the pipes are connected. Could this be like a few blocks away and not, not next door, not like right outside? Um, it's possible. Did everybody's toilet in Manhattan uh, go like that? No, I was just saying somehow this one was the one that like got connected. I mean, that seems like a one in a million shot. No. Yeah. That's true. I mean, I've had definitely had that where like there's uh, construction people like working on like the um, like manhole, like uh, like out in front of my house. And then like the toilet will flush up here. Really? Yeah. That's freaky. It is freaky. I don't know exactly what's going on. And there was like a, a not uh, Maybe there's a ghost in your bathroom. I don't think it's a ghost because what does it have to do with the guy? It was like the Ghostbusters were down in the manhole. No, I just I, like the guy on the street has nothing to do with anything. There's just the ghost flushing the toilet sometimes. Mm, I don't think so. Why does okay. the ghost need to flush the toilet? I mean, I don't know. Like maybe I, I have no idea. What, I don't know anything about ghosts. Yeah. I feel like the last thing a ghost is doing is coming back and flushing the toilet. I mean, well, that's almost helpful. Wants to mess with you, like that's what you do. You flush. Ooh, the mess with me. Flush my toilet. I mean, like, oh, like oh, take out my garbage too while you're at it, ghost. It's like a, it's a friendly ghost, but it's like a prank type friendly ghost. A housekeeping ghost. Uh, you would want to move into a house that was haunted by that kind of ghost. Okay, fair enough. Okay, so we end up uh, seeing Kristen Davis uh, looking deep into the toilet, and uh, of course uh, we see. Both a 
jet of water erupting from the ground with Phil Rizzuto. Uh, holy cow. And then uh, we see Kristen Davis uh, get soaked from the toilet water and Jerry walking in uh, and also saying, holy cow. Um, yeah, it's a nice tag that he says the holy cow yeah. here. And then he says to her, have a nice life and closes the door and leaves. Yeah, I mean, that's a great line. Okay. Uh, meanwhile, Elaine is driving on the two lane highway and it's so luxurious that she's swerving around and then uh, a sewing machine falls from the trunk of the car. Yeah, and again, we don't know if it's the same sewing machine or not. History will uh, leave that unknown. Yes. Uh, Kramer is trying to unload the 40-gallon drum of uh, paint thinner, and uh, that did not go well. That ends up spilling. Yeah, drops the paint thinner. I mean, do you, do you follow here like how everything catches fire and stuff? What, that the spark from the sewing machine ignited the paint thinner? Yeah, so the spark from the sewing machine, I guess, ignites the paint thinner. Yeah, I think I could follow that. Yeah, um, making Newman's truck catch on fire, but only enough that he, like, sort of gets burnt, but not really injured. Right. (laughs) If only Elaine knew that there was a truck full of all of this flounder going by, she could have cut out the middleman. Yes, sir. I mean, does he just take the flounder or he takes all the fish? Uh, Probably gets them all their fish, right? Right, so it's possible there's, like, the flounder's not the, the actual flounder fish you like. Yes. Uh, do you like that Newman sings uh, once, twice, three times a lady? Yeah, he's a great singer. <laughs> okay, and so uh, he rolls over the sewing machine. There's sparks. Uh, there ends up being a huge fire on Newman's truck. Uh, and uh, we get a very singed Newman. Uh, he's yelling, oh, the humanity, uh, like the Hindenburg clip. Yeah, the the singed is like is sitcommy, right? Because like no one gets singed without getting like third degree burns, right? You know? But again, this Except whole thing is now Looney Tunes, where yes. uh, you know yes. this is you know Wiley e. Coyote is walking back, and you know he's been through the explosion. That's what Newman looks like. Yeah, I mean, is this the least realistic thing we've seen so far? Uh, it's definitely up there. It's up there. We will top. I feel it, like there's though. been so many things. But this yeah. is definitely up it's there. a lot of like nine out of tens. Mm-hmm. Maybe there'll be one that's ten out of ten, but like it's just like four or five different things that are so absurd put together. Right, and then uh, we get the tag, which is kind of like much to do about nothing. Uh, that yeah. Kramer is just like talking to Newman, who after he's been burned, and uh, Newman's just non-responsive. Um. Yeah, I, I, the ending doesn't do anything for me here. Yeah, they should it was, have thought of something different. N- not even like a punchline. It was a jokeish at the end. Yeah. Okay. All right, Keith. So uh, that was uh, the pothole. Any uh, big picture thoughts on this? Um. Yeah, they could have done something better with the ending. I'm not exactly sure what, and maybe tied up Elaine's storyline a little better at the end. Also. Yeah. I mean, uh, definitely some hijinks. Uh, a lot of fun stuff along the way and uh what do you think is the a story here it's a good question i mean i want to say the toothbrush Mm -hmm. i mean the highway is pretty close um and it's definitely not george george is definitely the d storyline i think Mm -hmm. it might be a link getting the chinese food it's a tie between getting the chinese food and i mean they're just like they have three b B storylines and then a d that's what it is yeah instead of an abc it's like bbbd there's a lot going on here yeah Okay. But nothing bad. Definitely no storyline that's bad at all. All right. Well, here we are, Keeve. Uh, let's talk through uh, the storylines. Uh, Jerry with Kristen Davis and the toothbrush. Where do you give yeah, I think it's I think it's pretty funny. Yeah. I like Kristen Davis. Very likable. I'll give this an A minus. Yeah, I'm probably not as high. I'll give it a, a B plus. Uh, lots mm-hmm. of fun uh, to be had there. But, you know, if she says she put something in the toilet, uh, you can't say I put the to- toilet brush in the uh no, I like it. I li- I would have picked that too. I like the toilet brush. Okay. All right. Uh, what about Kramer and his highway? Uh, it's funny. I think him driving on the highway while painting is great. Uh, I'll give that an A minus also. Okay. Uh, I'll give it a B. Uh, you know, we're getting a little like uh, r- you know, ridiculous with like taking the street signs down and cleaning yeah. the street. No, that's for sure. That's yeah. for sure. Uh, so it's it's funny, but it, you know, it's a, a little uh otherworldly uh for uh. A show that's supposed to be about nothing. What about uh, Elaine with the Chinese food? Um, I like it. I just, I don't, I think they could have tied it up, you know? Yeah. Like, is she still doing this, like, in perpetuity? Like, is she still ordering the Chinese food? 
Right. I feel like there could there could have been an end to this story, so I'll give it a B. Yeah, I, I think that's a fair grade. I mean, I like the idea that this is a relatable issue, and I it's, feel it's like... It's still relatable. Yeah, right. it's still a thing. I like it. Uh, but then Elaine getting involved in, like, hauling uh, garbage out of this building to keep ordering food out of the janitor closet. Uh, yeah. A little, uh, you know, uh, maybe not explained uh, well enough. And then finally... Here. What about uh, we get to George and uh, losing the Phil Rizzuto keychain? Yeah, I mean, it's funny. It's a cute little thing. Again, if for the fourth storyline, there's nothing wrong with it. I'll give it a B plus. Yeah, he doesn't have that much to do in this episode. He sort of no, like, loses not, not the keychain, and then we see him with the jackhammer, and that's about it. Yeah, one of the lighter George episodes in years, honestly. Okay. So, Keeve, uh, definitely mm. a very passable episode of Seinfeld, but uh, what's the most iconic moment here? I mean, I don't know. Is it like the first of all? I we don't really find out. He does get the 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 keychain back, right? Once it gets like flown up and you hear it, yeah, you would think I he catches he gets, it, right? You'd think at some point he he gets it. Mm-hmm. Um, I I the most iconic thing, yeah. I, there's not an iconic joke. I guess if you wanted to say, you know, the the toothbrush in the toilet, like that's pretty memorable. Mm-hmm. But you're right. There's there's a lot of funny things here, but there's not a quotable, you know joke that would have been like one of my WAV files like last week with the uh, believe it or not, you know, George is in at home Right. I feel like the Phil Rizzuto keychain is uh, memorable in that it's so random. Yeah. You know, but yeah, yeah, there's no, no there's no like iconic line or joke or anything like that. No. Okay. So Keeve, uh, that all that being said, I think that's probably uh, middle of the pack. I'll say uh, episode number 88 in your rankings. No, I think I'm a little higher on, on honest, honestly. I, I don't. I think all four storylines are good. You know, you know, you get four quarters. It does equal a dollar. So I have this up at sixty-two. Sixty-two. Mm-hmm. All right, there you go. All right, Keeve, are you ready to dive into the pothole mailbag? Let's do it. All right. Of course, uh, these emails come in every week. Seinfeld at postshowrecaps.com. Let's get into uh, the, uh, the weekly segment of uh, everything from last week's episode. Johnny DeSilvera, starting us off, he says, uh, this episode earned Andy Ackerman an Emmy Award for Outstanding Direction. I, you know, they were talking about, and he said, look, it's a lot more heavy lifting in this episode with filming on the street and that sort of thing than maybe some other episodes. So I hear you. Okay. So Johnny also wants to let us know that the Arthur Burgart Expressway was named for an actor who, according to the Seinfeld Wiki, had been called into an audition for Seinfeld several times without being cast. This despite the Seinfeld's creative team liking his performances. Uh, that's a fun fact. Yes. Uh, I think that guy would rather have just been on Seinfeld once. Yes, yeah, for sure. Because okay. he never he never ends up being on the show. Does he ever do, end up doing anything? I mean, he's not much. He's in a couple, you know, he gets spot here and there on different shows. Okay. All right. What about Colin, the pizza delivery guy? So he says he works for a large pizza chain. Let's call it Tomino's. Tomino's. And he's built, he's dealt with this boundary issue before. Most of the Tomino's locations close at 3 a.m. Because their store delivers to university residences, they stayed open till 4. One clever student ordered around 3.30, gave his address as one of the residences. When, I, when, the, when Colin gets there, he calls him and he says, you accidentally put the wrong address and that he lived a few blocks away in an area that was out of his boundaries and in the territory of one of the stores that had already closed at three. Oh. But Colin, Colin, much like the delivery man in this episode, saw through his ploy and told him tough luck, went back to the store with the pizza. Colin, the pizza delivery guy, will not be played for a <laughs> Good for you, Colin, the pizza delivery guy. In fairness, like Elaine probably gave a decent tip where like this college kid at 3.30 a.m. was going to give him a quarter anyway. Right. These pranksters over at the college. Again, and that well, pizza... actually, I think Colin is Canadian, so we would have given him like a toonie oh, yeah. or something. Um, <laughs> I think that the pizza, you could probably sell to somebody else also. If it's a plain pizza. No? Uh, maybe reheated. I'm not sure what the rules are. Yeah. Or you if, it's like it. a, if, it's a, if it's like a mom and pop shop, probably. But Domino's probably has strict rules about that. Okay. All right, Craig from Vancouver wants to know, why did Jerry have to sleep in his car with the amount of time that Jerry was locked out? There's no way she could have put something like a bed sheet in the toilet, maybe a pillow, but unless he doesn't have another pillow, which is insane if he doesn't, Jerry's also getting a lot of experiences sleeping in cars this season. 
Yeah. I mean, I right. I guess it couldn't have been like a pillowcase. It still would have been wet, right? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, what could it have been in the bedroom? But, you know, Jerry's just so skeeved out by it that he just didn't want any part of anything. Yeah. Um, you're right. I, I doubt you would have taken something from his bedroom and put it in the toilet and then got back and then ran to the door. Right. And he would have felt it. It would have been wet. Yeah. And the, the toilet brush uh, gimmick. <laughs> I'm 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 more in favor of it. What presence of mind? Like I need to stick something of his in the toilet. I'll grab the toilet brush. That'll show him. That that'll be a mind game. I'll play. Also, remember, she's a clean freak, so she doesn't want to start dropping things in the toilet either. Yeah. Okay. All right. What about Lindsay? So she says we've definitely talked about toothbrush etiquette before, and I'm pretty sure her question was, "How do you feel about your spouse using your toothbrush?" I already told her that I use my wife's toothbrush all the time, and I don't tell her. (laughs) Lindsay's horrified by the prospect. And the idea of using it after it fell in the toilet, it's game over for her. She freaks out even if she drops it in the sink. Hmm. Yeah. Toothbrushes are like not a lot of money unless you have like a fancy one or an electric one. So yeah. Um, when in doubt, throw it out. Yeah. I would not be super excited to use uh, my wife's toothbrush, but I don't think it would ruin my day. No, definitely. I wouldn't even remember two minutes later. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, the sink is no good, and the floor is even worse. So, uh, I hear you. It's a, it's uh, you know, you got to be careful with these toothbrushes. Yeah, Evan wants to know what we would have put in the toilet if we were if we were Jenna. Hmm, you want to put something of his in the toilet? That's really gonna uh get him. He says go for the spider, the Superman action figure because he likes that and it's always on the shelf. Yeah, the remote. There's no way she could put the remote in the toilet. No, for sure not. That would have he would have known it wouldn't work anymore. Hmm. I mean, you only had like, what, 10 seconds? Yes. What about like a hairbrush? I think that's a perfect thing to put in. Yeah, because you, you don't even have to submerge it. You can just sort of like hold the handle and then and then put that yeah. down. Yeah, that's a good point. Okay. Uh, and it's like your hair. It's not like that anything that's like uh, super, like uh, you're not going to get sick, I don't think. No, you're not eating. Yeah, yeah, for sure. You could still brush your hair with it. You'd be okay. Okay. Uh, Matt in Massachusetts wants to know if you were no longer in the delivery zone for your favorite restaurant, would you go as far as Elaine did to get it delivered? Keith, I would not. Yeah, but you don't love food. A food lover like me, uh, yeah, I would definitely do it. I would like go to a place. But again, Elaine didn't hustle enough. Like I would, you know, maybe in the pre DoorDash caviar days, you pay pay like a college kid to bring it to your house or something. Mm-hmm. Wow. Or just go to the restaurant and get it yourself. Yeah. Okay, Travis says, uh, Newman's appearance in the final scene was totally out of left field, but completely redeemed by his soulful performance of Three Times the Lady. Do you think he was still mourning the loss of Roger's Roasters and singing all of Kenny's greatest hits while he cruised the Arthur Burkhardt Expressway? Yeah, I do think there's a good tie in there, right? Yeah. Kenny Rogers. That is good. Um, Yeah, that the chicken restaurant is closed. Is that why he's getting involved with the fish trade also? Um, Yeah, I think he's he's now... uh... He's, yeah, he's moved on. If you can't have Kenny Rogers chicken, there's no chicken that's good enough for you. Okay. What does Amir have to say? Once Elaine gets caught in the janitor's room and is given actual hard labor to haul tons of trash out of the basement, how does this little scheme of hers continue to make sense? It was already way too much work to get the Supreme Flounder. At this point, it's insane that she doesn't walk away. Yeah, we're on your, we're on the same team here, Amir. Yeah. Why would the delivery guy care, Amir wants to know, if Elaine lives in the building or not? He already made his way out there. There's no chance he gives up a nice tip to enforce some restaurant policy that doesn't impact it. Listen. Colin, the delivery guy, just proved you wrong. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but then that was going to be for Colin, the delivery guy. He had to go somewhere else. Like, uh, it was already like if the kid from the dorm would have, like, been where Colin, the delivery guy was, I think Colin, the delivery guy, would have just given him the pizza and taken the money and gotten out of there. It was when he had to make a second stop. Right. That's what Colin true. said. Screw this. Work. Yeah. Um, Amir also, you know, agrees. He has a question about the sewing machine that we sort of brought up. The sewing machine that Newman drives over is the exact same one that Kramer drives over at the very beginning of the episode. Are we to assume that in the span of a week, two Singer black sewing machines fell into the middle of the Arthur Burkhardt Expressway? That's a tough sell. Yeah, it's a tough sell. Again, I stand by my theory that there's just a bunch of hot ones on the side of the road. No, I think that there's definitely a earlier uh, version of the script. Can you get the uh, the Obros uh, to uh, respond on Twitter? Yeah, I'm going to we're going to. Well, we have a better question for. I'm going to see, I'm, I'm sure one of the two of them is on Twitter. Yeah. But I want to know, um, Miss Alistair, if she is the super or what her deal is. Yeah. Okay. Steve O'Donnell and Dan O'Keefe. Let's see if we can get one of them on the podcast or at least to answer our emails. That would probably be even better. Yeah. I'll ask them. Yeah. Okay. 
And then uh, one other uh, email, of course, uh, the great Chester writes in to say, would it be speaking ill of the departed to point out that Phil Rizzuto's presence in the Hall of Fame is a grave injustice? He's only the 50th best ever shortstop, worst among Hall of Famers, except for George Wright, who played uh, 500 games in the 1870s. And Chester is attaching his shortstop list. Yeah. Um you know, you're not speaking ill of the dead. You're speaking ill of yourself by having. <laughs> yes. Okay. Come on. Uh, he is a beloved figure, Chester. I'm not talking about as a keychain. Wait, Chester's not a beloved. Figure. <laughs> yeah. What would a Chester uh, keychain say when you squeezed it, Akiva? Oh my God! I don't even want to think about it. <laughs> we just start arguing with you. <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, well, all right. Fun stuff talking about the pothole. We have any hashtags for this week? You have anything for us? Uh, what about Tomino's Pizza? That's perfect. Tomino's Pizza. Good job, Colin. Okay. Good work there. Uh, what's coming up next week? Next week we got the English Patient. Okay. Oh, that's right. Um, it's it's uh, Jerry versus Mandelbaum. Kramer buys some Cubans. George looks somebody like somebody's boyfriend. It's going to be a good time. Okay. Uh, that's coming up next week on the Seinfeld Recap Podcast. Again, uh, Keith and I are going to be recording it a little bit earlier in the week, uh, for at least for uh, the uh, probably next uh, two months or so as we head yeah. into the Survivor season. Uh, the, you know, uh, the end of the week ends up being kind of busy for me. So uh, 100% on me, but we're going to be recording earlier in the week. So if you want to get your feedback questions into the show, you got to be a little bit ahead of the game. Yeah, a little earlier. Probably assume that, you know, Tuesday afternoon we're good to go. Okay. All right. Keeve, uh, what else? Um, I don't know. Uh, do we have any podcasts out as when this comes oh, out? Oh, yes, that's true. Uh, so Akiva and I did a very fun podcast in honor of March Madness. Uh, we ranked the 32 or we set up a bracket where uh, we were going to have a tournament to determine the best of the 32 Survivor winners, uh, a the thrifty 32. Uh, we gathered them all together, and then we have a very complicated voting system to determine who moves on. Uh, be sure to check out Rob has a podcast at robisawebsite.com for more information on that. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was fun. Yeah. I like when I plug uh, Rob as a podcast on this. Yes. Show. I wonder, like, it's a Survivor fan who only listens to Seinfeld. It's like, oh, I'm going to check out this Rob as a podcast. Yeah. Oh, OK. That's interesting. <laughs> all right. Uh, of course, uh, Keith, what are you guys up to on 32 fans? Um, we haven't recorded anything this week, so I'm not sure. Okay. All right. Do you guys ever miss a week? We've never missed a week. Okay. Th- but this could be it. I mean, uh, hopefully, uh, this is we're doing this on Wednesday. Hopefully on Thursday, Chester and I will. Uh, so that's Sex in the City that. podcast? I, that's I gotta, just in the can that you guys haven't put it out yet? Yeah, that's right. Um, that, That's for a rainy day. Uh, the, Chester uh, me- messaged me this week. He's like, hey, I'm going to work. Should I bring my mic and my laptop? Four minutes later, I responded, yes. It's like, too late. I already did, left and didn't bring it. Mm-hmm. I'm like, well, we didn't give me any time to respond. Why wouldn't you just bring it? He's like, it's very heavy to bring on the subway. <laughs> okay. So. All right. Uh, blame him. Keith, by the time this is uh, out for people to listen to, uh, what is uh, Tim Tebow's spring batting average? Ooh, zero. Yeah, zero. You don't you think he's going to be 0 for the spring by the time yeah, the podcast Yeah, and he's already made more outs than at bats because he also hit into a double play today. Oh, man. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll see. Keep hope alive, Keeve. Um, listen, I mean, I have no hope on Tim Tebow, but he's, you know, he's probably a better quarterback than anyone on the Jets roster right now. So maybe we could we'd switch Bring him back. Yeah, we could project. trade him to the Jets. Yeah, for sure. I agree. Why not? Uh, I, I we could go with another Tebow year. He's better than Petty and Hackenberg, and there's no <laughs> quarterbacks left on the market. All right. So uh, fun stuff there as well. All right. So uh, thanks so much to Scott St. Pierre, who edits the Seinfeld post-show recap, and of course to Mike Moore, who writes up our recaps on postshowrecaps.com. Uh, looking forward to talking about The English Patient next week. Have you seen it? Do we have to watch The English Patient too? The movie? Yes. Oh, definitely. We have to? You don't have no. to watch the Seinfeld episode, you have to watch the the uh, movie English Patient. Maybe there's like a YouTube video about it. No, we're Wiki- we'll read the Wikipedia about it. Okay. All right. Have a good one, everybody. Take care. Bye.